Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to yet another episode of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay. I'm joined this week by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Matt Smith. Good evening. Good to be back. So, Matt, you missed uh, you missed the earlier episode this week. Uh, a little busy, were you? Yeah, I was one of the ones. It was a, you know it was an episode that I wanted to be a part of. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to see the uh, the Oilers series due to work. Um, you know, I listened. It was good to see Matt on here, and uh, happy to be back behind the mic to uh, to cover this episode. Well, we had to make sure we got another Matt to replace the Matt that we yeah. lost. Yeah, there's a quota. Yeah, absolutely. It was weird though seeing someone without a beard on the show. I could sh- I could shave it off, but I, I, it's probably not going to happen. Not yet. No. No. Not until I have like CBRN training where they tell me I have to. And they will, trust me. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely will. Nothing like a little bit of facial hair for CS gas to just stick right to it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the C4 mask is not uh, positive pressured, so no. your beard actually will keep it open. So, Yeah, and, and tear gas and CS gas loves to just get right up in there. Yeah, absolutely. Makes so. for an interesting night out if you're going on a date soon after. Yeah, that's not happening anytime soon, apparently. So, <laughs> if, Okay, I'm going to say this to you guys. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Check out Rick Mercer's video of Stay at Home. It's fucking hilarious. And for any, everyone that's listening right now, go over to Rick Mercer's uh, Twitter feed and just check out his little quick video. It's uh, the Stay Home Ontario. Pretty much says, if you're going to hook up, just imagine Doug Ford being in the room with you watching because that's how it's going to feel. And I... I laugh my ass off. I, I missed the show. I missed the Mercer Report. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, I guess we'll just jump right into the uh, the episode. We're going to kick it off with a little bit of talk of some big news out of uh, Washington. Capitals were fined a hundred thousand dollars for uh, breaking the COVID uh, breaking the rules for uh, COVID isolation. So I know. So four players got uh, got isolated because they broke the rules by going into one room to hang out. And the big prevailing argument is, well, they sit together on the bench without masks. What's the big deal of going into the rooms? And Ovechkin's wife even posted something on Instagram, bitching and moaning about this. But Craig Button said it best. We don't give two shits what some player's wife thinks. These are these are rules that they agreed to. Like it or lump it, it doesn't matter. So that's they've broken that rule. And what makes it worse is that Samsonov, one of the four players, including Ovechkin, that uh, that are being isolated, Samsonov tested positive. So did he get that when he was out grocery shopping? Or was he out partying? Like, we just don't know. It, it, if you're, you're proving to be careless in the room and not following the rules, maybe you're careless and not following rules elsewhere. So... And that's that's even besides the point. The major point that I would point to is these rules are in place and these guys flaunted those rules. And that's essentially them telling all their teammates, a great big, fuck you, we're going to do whatever we want. They Essentially, they, they broke these rules and now they're unavailable to play. You know, great big fuck off. So, uh what do you think? I just think that um, it was good that the NHL stepped in and, and kind of made a, made made a quick example of the situation. Um, as you said, um, as you said in your uh, in your piece, um, the uh, the protocols were put in place. the uh, The players agreed to it and they broke it. And um, this is this is an instance that you've got a, a very superstar player in Alex Ovechkin, captain of your team, obviously, and one of the faces of the NHL. And um, they didn't go easy on the on the team, and they didn't go easy on the players. And I think it was the right move. Um, if we want to continue seeing hockey played, these are the rules that are going to have to be met. Um, in my opinion. You know, Ovechkin's wife does make, a, you know what, she makes a good point that yes, the guys sit on the bench and they sit and they do this and they're in the locker room together and everything like that. However, rules are in place, single, occup- um, single occupant to each room. Um, you can only go to certain designated areas, etc. They knew the rules, they knew the risks that were in place to, to, to break those rules and they and they chose to do so. So I said um, the only the only way we're going to continue having a season is uh, if if people follow the rules. And and these guys can be really lucky that they're not playing in a bubble, right? They're actually going to be able to go to their home rinks and everything like that. And a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a little bit more um, familiar. Yeah, it's a little bit more familiar. Exactly. They're not just saying like, eh, we're in hotel in Toronto for three months or four months or whatever it is. And I, I think there wouldn't have been a season if that would have been the case anyway. I don't think the players would have accepted it. 
Craig, any thoughts? Uh, I think it would be different if they were in a bubble like they were in the playoffs where it was just them, always them together. Uh, I think then you could justify uh, what Ovechkin's wife was saying uh, just for the simple fact is that they're not going anywhere else but the hotel and the rink. So, you know, if they're, that's the only two places they're going as a team, like the, like the playoff bubble, then sure, go in your rooms, go to whatever. Uh, but other than that, if the rules are the rules, it'd be no different than, uh, you know, it's no different than people getting pissed off at politicians for going down south when they're telling everybody to stay home. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make this a political issue, but I mean, in the NHL, and uh, Matt hit the nail on the head, Ovechkin's a face of the, uh, of the team. And if you're a face of the team, then you have to, uh, uh, you know, abide by the rules and show that that's what we're playing by. Uh, there's a lot of people pissed off that NHL is even playing in some, at least in provinces in Canada, because in Quebec and Ontario, uh, nobody else is allowed to play hockey. So minor, there's no minor hockey, there's nothing. So, um, and the reason being is because of COVID. Uh, so if you have NHL players being lackadaisy about it and seemingly not caring about it, it puts a, paints a bad picture all over the place. Uh, and I think the NHL handled it right. Uh, I'm not a huge Bettman fan, but I think he's dealing this co- I think he's doing the right by this COVID thing uh, with the league. And uh, yeah, Washington's going to miss those four players for at least four days for some of them, but Samsonov for probably longer. So, so I just want to bring up really? one little point regarding just another um, another sports promotion. Okay, we're um, you know I'm a UFC fan. Drag your UFC fan. Um, so UFC 257 is coming up from uh, Fight Island in uh, Abu Dhabi. And this does have to do with COVID. Um, there was a, a lightweight that was actually just cut from the roster 100% for violating COVID rules. He's over there right now. He broke a health and safety protocol that they put into place. And not only is he not fighting, he's completely cut from the roster. And, you know, we weren't, we're more than likely never going to see him in the UFC again. So um, this, that's, that's pretty serious shit. So I, you know, I'm happy that obviously the NHL hasn't jumped to that measure yet, but you know, something that's more, something that's serious enough, you're looking at uh, probably a long, at least a long-term suspension and a major fine. Well, imagine kicking, could you imagine oh. kicking Ovechkin out of the league? <laughs> My well, God. never happened. Well, just, well, I wouldn't say you kicked him out of the league, but like, what if it was a, a massive, like, what if it was a, you know, you're suspended half the season or you're suspended the whole season. Especially when you get a guy like Ovechkin chasing records and he needs yeah. every game he can get to make that's right. that one record. Uh, that's right. Well, that's on him for breaking the rules. Exactly. You know, you're the, you're no. the captain and, of the and team. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And that's you're it. the captain but, of the team. The problem is, too, though, is the NHL is very, uh, I want to say player centric. Like they, they're like Crosby's, the Ovechkin's, the McDavid's. Yeah. I'll even say Carey Price's. Uh, they're kind of the faces of the NHL. And I'm not saying they can do no wrong, but if that was someone like, I mean, no one was suspended. They just have to isolate. So it's not like they were suspended. So let's clear the air on that right now. Nobody yeah. was suspended. Uh, but if there were suspensions for that, I'm willing to bet someone like, I don't know, 
D'Angelo, because <laughs> this, this is the first name I could think of, he's mm-hmm. going to get a stiffer fine or he's going to then say someone like Sidney Crosby. I mean... Probably. You understand what I'm going with this? Yeah. Like, Crosby, oh, you shouldn't have done that Th- two games. D'Angelo shouldn't have done that seven games. You, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. I mean, D'Angelo is probably the wrong name because he's should be suspended for a lot of things. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, and that's the issue. NBA is the same way. Uh, I think the only sport that doesn't play the stars is baseball and football. And even sometimes, depending on the quarterback, Tom Brady, uh, they kind of do. So uh, um, I think NHL can't afford to lose games. They can't afford to have no games. Uh, so they're going to do everything they can. and They're going to come down hard and they did the right thing. Uh, I have nothing against it. Uh, I too, at first thought was the big deal about them going to a hotel room. But you know, once I read the whole story and read everything about it, it, it makes completely complete sense to me. So like I, I looked at it at his wife's point of view. I said she kind of has a point. Like I get what she's trying to say. However, it just doesn't work that way. So rules are rules and they're set in place for a reason. Like, you yeah. Know, and when you're the captain of the, when you're the captain of the team, you're the face of the franchise, you're chasing down NHL records you should be setting a higher setting yourself to a higher standard. Yeah. You're setting the standard for all to follow. So step up. That's what a leader's supposed to do. Eh, and he didn't. So now he's out. He may be out some money. We're not sure because each team has a, a contract with their players. It's between the team and the players on based on this stuff. So that's not, uh, has been released. So we're, we don't know what's going on there. So, but uh, yeah, you're right. There's there's no suspensions. There's nothing. They're just they're just missing four to five games, which they have, that season late and past two tests or something like that. So two still, tests. He's gonna miss four to five games. That's, That's a lot. That's true. Well, it's better than having the whole team miss four to five games like Dallas. Oh, and... just four four key players. It's not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Leafs with their with their, all their depth. They can make do without you know. A Thornton or, a Mc, or a Matthews. Well, we're recording on a Friday night. They're playing Edmonton right now, so let's. Oh, yeah. What's the score, win. Matt? Toronto's actually winning through one now. So, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Play goals. Three minutes left in the second. You know they're going to someone. Someone's going to say, "Oh, they don't need Matthews and Thornton. They're going to win anyway." Trade they them. Need, they just need the power play. Just yeah. trade them away. Uh, all right, so we'll uh, we'll move on to the next item. Trois uh, Viad. So it was announced that uh, the Montreal Canadiens have signed a three-year agreement for Trois-Rivières, the expansion ECHL franchise, to be the affiliate for the Montreal Canadiens. I think this is a great move. Trois-Rivières is about 150 kilometers from Montreal, about an hour, hour and a half, uh, hour and a half drive. They'll have access to the team's facilities. They'll be, you know, the... They're the, you know, all the coaching staff, everything is nearby. So if there's call-ups between Laval and Trois-Rivières, it's there. So the Canadians are finally putting together a real minor league system. So I think this is great news. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, we've talked about this for a while now. It's saying that it would be very beneficial. We talked about it, you know, just between, you know, even before we even started this podcast, we talked about um, the uh, the benefits of having your AHL franchise close to you. And we've seen that that's been very beneficial. Um, 
I think that now bringing in the ECHL team, which we're are going to play out of uh, Le Nouveau Coliseum, which is a, a new arena that's about 5,000 seat capacity. Um, I think this is going to be your team that they're going to try to fill with um, undrafted QMJHL players. Yep. And then you're, you're fine. You're going to see, you're going to see a lot of uh, Quebec born French speaking players on this team. And um, the club will be led in part by uh, former Canadians defense and Marc-Andre Bergeron, who will serve as the vice president and general manager of the team. So there's a familiar, I, uh, a film, a familiar face there. But, uh, but yeah, I can see I can see a lot of QMJHL um, uh, talent uh, ending up on that roster, and um, it, it's going to be uh, we're not going to run into a a situation like last season when you you had a guy like McNevin that had nowhere to play, and even though he was out playing the goaltenders on the teams that he was loaned to, obviously goaltenders or players within your system come first. And they just didn't have the, uh, he didn't have the season that he wanted, that he wanted to have. No. But with this affiliate, that wouldn't be an issue. They can just, they can actually take care of them. Yeah. It gives them the option to sign uh, local Francophone talent to yeah. AHL deals and not have to worry about hitting up their NHL contract. That's number. right. Yeah. Um, and it could be, maybe, you know, you do about 50 or 60 of those, you might get another uh, David Dare. Dale, nah, yeah. Choo choo. That's right. Um, Number one center. Now <laughs> they're in Trois-Rivières, and Laval when they when they stood up, they honored the Rocket. They named the team after Rock Richard. Trois-Rivières happens to be the birthplace of Jean Bedivaux, so maybe they could come around to naming it Les Aus name it after the hockey team that Jean Bedivo played for that forced the Canadians to buy an entire league to get his rights. Well, he didn't want to sign with the Canadians at the time and they, they wanted him, but it's a bigger story. Yeah. Uh, but they ended up buying the entire league yeah. to make sure it happened. Uh, they could call him the Roadrunners after Yvonne Cornway, eh? but good. I, I'm just throwing it out there as a name, but you're right. Jean, I think they should, uh, uh, Jean Beliveau should be, He's a big figure in Trois-Rivières. It's his hometown. It's He played there for – he didn't want to leave there to go play for the Montreal Canadiens when he was younger. And uh, enforced – He was in Quebec like, City. He played Quebec City. Yes, great. The, the Aces, I think he played for, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. That's why I said name him Nays House, so Aces yeah. in French. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, – it, I, I don't really know what name. I, I read a list somewhere that had some names that they already had yeah. put down. I, I don't remember it off the, the – I think I think the front runners the 1632s. Okay, well that's when it was the city was founded or something like that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Called them so, the Pocket Rockets. Two. <laughs> that that's a it's, triple. It's, that, it's so easy. <laughs> that, that that's a triple entendre. So uh, <laughs> just have a guy holding a rocket in his pocket. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, it's, I, I, I mean, there's nothing more you can say about it right now because the teams, 
still being formed. Matt, you said it all. Yeah. It's going to be great for the club. It's going to be great to have those guys in there, and maybe it'll satisfy some of those people that get pissed off and angry that they don't have enough French people in their organization, yeah. and they can sit there and fill a whole team up with uh, nothing but French-speaking players. And you know what? It's it, it would. It's not only going to be good for the French-speaking players, but um, obviously they're going to need a coaching staff. They might they might plug a. Um, you know, a higher talent under the queue and that's going to be his stepping stone to the next level. Yeah. It's worked out for Joel Bouchard. It's a development program that they can use to develop players, coaches, trainers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Management, the whole thing. It creates an entire uh, development stream for every aspect of the game. Yeah. And, and Michael McNevin finally has a place he can play and yeah. play regularly. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it won't be Michael McNevin in a couple of years, but, you know, they won't have that issue if they have another fairly good goalie in their system with nowhere to put him. Right so you heard it here first. J.J. Daniel is going to be the first coach of Chihuahua Revere's team. They're, gonna, they're gonna just going to pluck him out of Halifax. It's going to be Carbo. Yeah, you heard it here first. Insider. Speaking of plucking. Patrick Brisbois. Uh, yeah. But speaking of plucking, our sponsor, <laughs> Manscaped, is the best name in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision engineering tools for your family jewels, and is here to help you have clean balls in the new year. Manscaped is here. The perfect package 3.0 is the below-the-waist grooming package you need to start off this year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light to shine, a light to the promised land. It's also time to freshen up down there. The Crop Preserver is an anti chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for the on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. I'll repeat, get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. How's that? Not bad. That's fantastic. Bad. It makes me smile every time I read it. <laughs> Your balls will thank you. So um, the next item on our list, Philippe Dano. Who? Just kidding. So the the um, Matthias Boudinet of La Price, uh, he came out with uh, a scoop stating that Dano received a six-year, $30 million offer with a, an AAV of $5 million um, from the Canadians, and he didn't even respond to it. He didn't accept it, and then the, he didn't even offer a counter. So it's one thing that he... It's one thing that he actually got the offer and didn't want it. That's fine. You want to negotiate, maybe get a little bit better, lesser term, more money, whatever, whatever it is you're looking for. That's fine. But the fact that his, according to Matthias Boudinet, the fact that they didn't even respond with a counteroffer, that kind of points to 
him just playing out the year and wanting to test free agency. What do you guys think? Uh, first of all, this is not, I'm not going to say it's a rumor because Brunei usually isn't, uh, doesn't throw his sources sh- are solid. His sources are pretty solid. Um, Deneau has come out and said he just wants to play the season and he, you know, he's not worried about the contract. He's blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm just going to play a little devil's advocate here and say maybe Deneau didn't make a counteroffer because he just wants to play hockey and yada, yada. I can't even really get through this thing. I think Deneau wants to see what he's going to get out of free agent. If I'm being honest, I think he, he, he's, he's moving up in the yeah. Selkie world. He was seventh. He was what? Fourth, uh, fifth, fourth or fifth last yet year. last year. Uh, seventh the year before. Um, he's kind of making a name for himself on the defensive side. Uh, the comments he made at the in the offseason about how he's not a third-line center, you could take those both two different ways. We talked about it on the show before. Either A, he's saying, hey, I got more than just this, and I'm going to show you I got more than this is, which is a positive thing. Or he's saying, hey, man, I was the number one center. I'm going to stay the number You're not going to push me down because of these guys. Um, the last thing I just said is looking more and more the way it should be taken with his actions with the contract and that because uh, honestly if you look at his stats $5 million is a pretty good contract for someone with his stats yeah sorry but uh, he's a he's a 40 to 50 point guy $5 million is pretty good it's a uh, fair deal and, and you consider he's not really a third line center He's, he's a matchup center. And you look at his wingers, he's got a 30-goal scorer on one side and a 25-goal scorer on the other. Third-line wingers don't get that. No. So, uh, And, I mean, that's the, it's, I think that's the problem when we talk about players and lines is teams are used to having a first, second, third, fourth line. In Montreal, yeah. you basically – and uh, – uh, there's we'll get into article. that in the next segment, though. We'll get that in the next segment, but Montreal basically runs their lines the way they run them. It's not a first, second, anyway. Uh, so you look at his minutes, he gets a fair bit of minutes, no power play time, but he gets penalty kill time. He gets five on five. He's usually up against the best players on the other team. He usually does a good job. I'm not knocking the guy for the job he does, uh, but if he's out there asking for six to $7 million a season, then he's way out of his league on the money because that's not – he doesn't put up the stats to uh, facilitate that kind of a contract. He just doesn't do it. Especially in a flat cap era oh, yeah. with the with the danger of the cap contracting at the end of these two years. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's correct. Like everyone thinks after these two years, though, the cap's just going to go back up. Uh, no, it's based on revenue. So, which the NHL is getting none of. Uh, well, none – the big chunks from the fans coming to the arenas and they're not getting that. Hence helmet, why you, helmet sponsors. Yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't even notice it. I don't even mind the helmet sponsor. I have no, no that's, that's, that's how, that's how they're generating some of their revenue or, or, um, um, naming the divisions. Good for yeah. that. And everybody, I have no right, everybody, that. everybody's calling it the Canadian division, but it's got a name. It's the Scotiabank right? North division. Exactly. And, 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 and in the end, who cares? Right? right, like yeah. uh, let let them get the revenue so that cap can go up. That's right. Uh, I personally think it'll just stay the same until it can go up. My, that's my personal opinion on it. Uh, but you're right, Blaine. It could go down. So 
here's a guy. Well, I want six. I want to play in Montreal, but I want six. We'll say six million. Yeah. Well, we can't afford. They only have 15 and a half million next year. That's with 15 players signed. Uh, you still have Cotton Enemy to sign. You have uh, Paling to sign. Armia, Tatar, if you want to keep him. Lekkonen. Uh, um, Two years' time, you have Suzuki. And then, yeah, then you have Suzuki there. You're, I mean, you are going to lose someone probably to Seattle. So yeah. we'll see who that is. Um, we don't know who they're going to protect. So for a guy who says he wants to stay in Montreal and be the first line center, you know, it doesn't sound like he really wants to stay in Montreal. Like, I get it. He wants to, he wants a larger role. He wants to be a more important piece. He wants to be, you know, he wants to be valued. And, and that's, that's all what, that's basically what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you got to weigh your pros and cons. You're playing in your home province, near your family. You have that support system for your wife and your children. They're there to help them out. It's familiar. You're, you're valued. You're given a fair market offer and they want you long-term. So where, where else are you going to get that? And the team is actually good. Like you they actually, actually want have a, you. Yeah, they want you and they're good. And you have a chance of actually building towards something special. So that's what you've got right now. What are you going to get that's better? So I'm sure he's going to try and test it out, but it's kind of a game of chicken where he's he's going to maybe he'll hold out until he can get to ufa and see what's out there but by that time maybe the canadians have said well we can't just wait for you we have to do something to to ensure that we're covered so they'll they'll enact plan b or c or f or whatever and he's no longer in the plans well suzuki's already outplaying him i hate to say it but the first five yeah. games of the season says you can sit there and say, well, if we lose to no, we still got Suzuki and Cotton Emmy. Cotton Emmy's been a beast. I'm sorry to Evans say Evans has been leaked. pretty good. You got Paling in the good. wings. Uh Cotton Emmy, he went from what a eleven percent face off on the first game to fifty seven percent yesterday. So he's working on the parts of his game that he needs to improve and the production's starting to come. Yeah. So there's two centers right there where Bird could say, you know, Phil, I like you. I want to keep you, but I don't need you. you I got know, these you two know guys I mean? who outplay you, and they're going to play for less money than what your contract would be. And I can sign them to a better deal if you're not around. Yeah. And keep them longer because they're a lot younger. And that's, I, I'm, I mean, I'm with it. Deneau saying, hey, man, I think this is what I'm worth. Fair enough. Nothing against the guy, uh, but I'm like you. I don't know where else. I don't know where anyone's going to sign higher. I, maybe five and a half somewhere. Maybe is it because he's still going to be looked bucks? at. He's still going to look be looked at as basically a second, third line center or anywhere else. Is he going to get six years? That's a thing. Like this, the Canadians offered six years. He maybe yeah. he gets five and a half, but it's only for four. Like we we just don't know. It's so uncertain. The financial aspect of the league right now is so uncertain when you're given an offer that large just freaking take it look petrie jumped all over it 
Petrie wanted to stay in Montreal too. And he wanted to stay in Montreal and he's older and he, and it's same with Gallagher. Like, I I don't think Gallagher was moving anywhere. No, Um, no, no. But, uh, I I don't know. Hey, you know what? People are different. Um, I'm again, I'm not knocking to know at all. No. Uh, but he's 27 years old. A six year deal takes him to 33, which is, and in my mind, if you look at all, uh, Bergevin's deals, he's taking them to the early thirties. So basically he's taking them to that age group where, all right, you're either going to start, you're either going to drop off the face of a cliff or these are the years you're going to start dwindling down. He's being smart with his signings and, I can't see anyone taking Deneau to 33 besides Montreal. Really? Matt? I just think he's playing with fire. I think he should have jumped on the uh, the opportunity to um, to sign long-term, especially a six-year deal. He um, Mark Berzeman showed that uh, Philip Deneau is part of this team. He's part of the future. And for him not to even counter-offer is kind of, uh, kind of surprising, given the fact that you've got, as you guys said, Suzuki that's out playing him now and uh Kakanyami's only getting better. Um you 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 look at Petrie who's also getting better. You've got your heart and soul player in Gallagher. These are two guys that they brought in or that they uh that they re-signed that are part of the core. Um then they went out and they got Josh Anderson. They went out and got Toffoli, who are both playing very well to start the year. Then you look at the expansion draft. Right now, if like if if in my opinion, right now, what it would probably be, it'd probably be Drouin Anderson, Toffoli, Gallagher, and Kakadiami. And then you've got room for two more forwards. You've got Deneau in there, you've got Tatar in there if they re-sign them. You've got Armia, you've got Lekkinen, you've got Byron, et cetera. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to if he wants to be there. And if they, they talk, you know, obviously behind the scenes, and if they can't see the deal being in place, we might see him out of Montreal before the end of the season so they don't lose him for nothing. Because there's value there. He's, as Trey said, he's not a number one guy, but he's a two-three. And he's yeah. a good match. He's a great matchup guy. And he makes, uh, he makes life very difficult for some of the top players in the league. And as you said, Blaine, a third line center, isn't going to get a guy like Tatar and Gallagher on his wings. But I said, it's, it's a, it's a, in my opinion, he's playing with fire. I think he should have jumped on, especially for six years. Yeah. And um, it, it showed that, um, Bergevin wants him on the team. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a French, it's a French speaking player. It's a, it's good for the team. It's good for all the, all the, the, the Francophone fans. And um, I, I don't think he, I don't think he would get a deal. I don't think he would get a better deal outside of Montreal. Probably not. It's a player that Bergevin likes a lot too. Cause he, yeah. he had a major hand in drafting him in Chicago. He brought him in from Chicago when he got here as a GM. So yeah. Clearly, he likes him as a player, likes him as a person. He brings a lot of what the Canadians need on and off the ice. But, yeah, I agree. He's definitely playing with fire. Yeah. But uh, doesn't he just look like a Tortorella kind of player? <laughs> you know what? It's, uh, 
you know, I, there's so much talk right now about Dubois and people are already, somebody actually, um, uh, did a, uh, did like a, a Jersey swap with Deneau in, in a Columbus blue jackets uniform. It looked pretty natural to me. Um, you know, they can bring Dubois and I wouldn't turn it down. Dubois is going to be a healthy scratch on Saturday. So, you know, something's already in the works. Blaine, yeah. you had mentioned it that, uh, um, Pierre Lebrun thinks Winnipeg is the leading team right now. Uh, well, no, uh, Dr- uh, Darren Drager said that Darren Winnipeg Drager. is likely a leading team. Lebrun yeah. hinted that, <clears throat> well, this guy and this guy, so Roslovich and Line would be uh, a natural trade with Columbus. So he, he wasn't saying that Winnipeg is a fit. Right. But Lebrun floating names in a hypothetical is that that's kind of his way of saying yeah that sounds like a good idea and here's here's kind of what i'm hearing without actually saying that but lebron has been known to say i think these guys would make good matches in a trade without actually coming out and saying these guys are the ones being traded that's right i I remember last season someone on twitter said something and he said i never said they were going to be traded i just said if the trade was to be made between these two teams these are the players that make sense yeah I don't see a fit in Montreal cap wise, player wise, anything. I just don't see Montreal wanting to give up Suzuki or cotton Emmy the other way. I don't think Dubois is worth Suzuki or cotton Emmy going the other way. In my own personal opinion. Um, plus, well, it'll be then plus is what the rumors were. Uh, Deneau. I, I don't think Deneau's worth Dubois, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like Montreal would have to throw a whole lot in there if they want Deneau to go to uh, to Columbus for Dubois. And I just don't yep. see it. I just don't see it working. You'd be throwing a, a Caulfield and a first and something else maybe. Or a Norlander or I would say a Caulfield. I would say their top prospect, yep. which is Caulfield right now. Yep. So Definitely a first, s- some, more, some more cap. Yeah, I don't see Montreal wanting to do that. Uh, especially if Armia doesn't come back next year, that opens the spot for him to come in shortly. I don't think it'll be next year, but yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yep. uh, and uh, I just don't see much y'all doing. Winnipeg, on the other hand, they have two good line. A Dubois could be a one for one swap, and no one would complain about it. Well, Roslovich uh, too. He's a holding out. He demanded a trade. So correct. hey, send him over too. Send him, and Columbus can send you a pick or something back sure. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But the good news They'll is need a center, but. the good news is with uh, Dubois being a healthy scratch coming up and all this talk of things heating up, this is going to put an end to this these uh, these rumors of him going to Montreal. Wow. We've been saying from the start it doesn't make sense. You wrote an article about it. Uh, I think. It, I mean, may, I don't know. I, I don't like to pick on our fans, but I do quite often. Pipe dreams get thrown in there and everyone thinks we can throw garbage at a team and then we'll get their best player. And it just doesn't work that way. Look, it, it is, it's, it's possible that Montreal is involved and it's pot. Hey, you never know. Maybe he does go to Montreal, but expect the unexpected, but if he does go expect that they paid a fortune for this kid too much. In my opinion. And, and then he's going to get the, the, the drawing treatment that no matter what he does, it's always wrong. Can't get the Drew and trade treatment when they trade for each other. Yeah. Mike Trout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine. <laughs> Montreal's well, already. Play- 
The weakest thing about Montreal right now is their left wing. If they get rid of Druin, who's their top left winger, sorry, Habs fans. Well, Tatar is. Well, actually, no, Druin statistically is right now. Sorry, Habs fans. Druin right now is your our best left winger. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're weakening yourself to strengthen somewhere you don't need strengthening. It's almost like trading against Sergachev for Druin. You, 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 you traded away something you needed more than what you got. You overpaid for a player that demanded a trade. Correct. I, I look forward to seeing where he ends up. And I, and I hope yeah. that uh, wherever he ends up, he succeeds and he just kind of, you know, kicks it into the next gear. And... Unless it's the Canadian division, then fuck him. Unless he's with the Canadians, then I, that's right. Yeah, then I'll buy his jersey. You heard it here first. I would put money on uh, Winnipeg if that if that. It, you know, it's it's a it would be a logical choice. Yeah. However, he won't be able to play for Winnipeg for almost three weeks if it doesn't get done soon. Yeah. But to think if uh, if their th- top three centers are Shifley, Stastny, and Dubois, that's it's pretty good oh. down the middle. Stastny's your third center. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll finally have a good center for uh, Liney to be paired up with. Except he's playing in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, you'll have three good center centers with nobody to play with. Oh, good Liney and Liney will play with uh, with Domi. Domi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? So you only got? He's only going to get eight minutes a night? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too soon. It is what Yee. it is. I got nothing against Domi. I no, like neither Domi. do I. Neither do I. He, he's not so, a 70-point player like everyone thinks he is, but I got nothing against Domi. Whatever. We got yeah. Anderson. Uh, people should be happy with that. Um, we'll move on from there. Uh, we'll start. We'll move into the Vancouver series, uh, and we'll start off with the biggest news out of the Vancouver series right now, which is the uh, the dirty hit Myers threw on, uh, on Armia. So Department of Player Safety... And I use that euphemism of safety because it's utter bullshit. Uh, decided that he doesn't deserve even another, a one-game suspension. It was, it was obviously not a hit to the head, despite the fact that the referees reviewed the play for five minutes and then deemed it to be a hit to the head. Because, you know, reasons. Um, what, what are your thoughts, guys? Matt, what, what do you think? You know, it, it was dirty. It was a blind side. Um, Myers has a history of um, of suspensions. He's 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 got two of them uh, already in his career. Um, he got one for a, a hit to the head of uh, Zubras uh, when he played for New Jersey, and then another one was for boarding um, Scott Gomez in Montreal. Um, yeah, it was it was a dirty hit for sure. I, I was thinking that he was going to at least miss a game. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed when um, I heard the news earlier today that uh, there wasn't going to be any sort of supplemental uh, discipline. And um, I don't want it like as much as I want to see the Canadians go after him for what he did at the same time, I don't want it to be, you know, like just imagine like if, if Josh Anderson goes in hard on the four check tomorrow night, challenges them, you know, gets the upper hand, but break breaks a hand or something, right? Was it really worth it? That's kind of what I'm. Uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Like, make them pay on the scoreboard, make them pay in the division, because every point counts. You're going to see these guys again, and 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 just you know, play to beat them. Don't play to beat one player. 
I say but, but target the target the fuck out of him every time you can, obviously. I say bring Braddock up. Uh, throw him in for one game. <coughs> salary his salary meets the uh, the cap or whatever it is, and all he does is beat the fuck out of Myers. And then you're done with it because who cares about Braddock? Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, but um, when I first saw the hit, I thought it was just a big hit. I'll be honest with you. When I first saw it live action, I thought it was a untimely, not needed hit. Um, but I didn't think it any different than the Edmondson hit earlier in the game at the end of the second period or the end of the first period, the one he got the penalty for going yeah. into the end of the first period. But when I saw the replay, uh, very different hit, very different hit. Uh, at first I thought he jumped, but he didn't, he, he did have a skate yeah. on the ice. Um, he just extended, but, he went kind of went up. Yeah. Yeah. He, all right, I'll break it down. He did put his arm into his. He didn't. He didn't elbow him. He didn't stick his arm out. Uh, but he, I believe, intended for a high hit. I'm not going to say he targeted his head, but Armia was bent over, and he intended to go high. You can tell that by the way he elevated himself. I mean, the man's six seven. So how much more do you have to elevate on a guy who's six four bending over? Um, and. I will say the first point of contact, I think, was up around his shoulders and then his head, which it, to me is not his chest. It's not where a hit should be. And uh, it was a dirty hit. And it was also two and a half, what, two and a half minutes left in the game at 7 3. Yeah. Yeah. Like, was it necessary? No. And, the, no. and this, this is when um, the player that is throwing the hit has to realize that. I'm hitting a guy in a very vulnerable position. And, and he changed and, and, direction to do it. Yeah, and exactly. And, 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 and as you said, you know, there's two and a half minutes left in the game. Yes, Armia just had a really good game against you. Yeah, um, Myers was having a terrible game. He took oh, some he, he took some bad penalties. And maybe this was his way of saying, like, this is my way of getting back into the game. But mm. um, I, I don't think that he uh, – I don't think he made the made, made a smart play. He definitely didn't make any uh, any and friends I mean, with the decision. Was it a coincidence that it was the guy who had four points on the night? And uh, maybe, you know, maybe it was, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. uh, but for me, it was a predatory hit because of the attacking angle that he took. You came across. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he, he was knew doing. He was doing. He could have taken a slightly different angle to take Armia out. That yeah, would have, or just taken a spa- or just taken a space away and played out the rest of the game. Exactly. Uh, but for me, the biggest issue here is the league, the league basically washed their hands of this and it, it displays a really bad example of what, uh, actually it's a perfect example of lack of leadership. The league went out of their way to remove these blindside hits. So they, they made a big deal out of it a few years back Oh, we got to get rid of these hits. We they're too predatory. We want to get rid of them. And don't get me wrong, I love aggressive physical hockey. It is, I I, I love watching it. But hits like this, you don't need. And when the league came out and said they wanted to get rid of it, I'm like, all right, fine, let's get rid of it. And when it happens, what do they do? They're like, ah, whatever. You know, sweep your hands. But. Um, you got to keep in mind too that the Canadians played the Canucks again on Saturday. So you, you had this happen in the middle of a three game set. 
you could have just suspended him for one game, had him miss that one game against the team that happened on, and tempers would have been calmed down. But like you said, Matt, it happened at the end of the game. It was unnecessary. And what do you think is going to happen now? No supplementary discipline, nothing, not even a fine. And the players are going to look at this and say, well, if the league isn't going to do anything to help us, we are going to do it ourselves. Like to the point where even Julian, and I'm going to quote him from uh, John Lou got this quote, friend of the show, by the way. Um, This is not the first and won't be the last for these kinds of things happening. Teams will deal with it the way they see fit. Go ahead and do what you have to do. What the hell do you think he means by that? Do you think he, he means sent, eh, things will happen? He, he's sending a message to his players, basically saying, "Hey, if do what you, you got to do what do what you got to do out there. Yeah, be smart about it, but do what you got to do out there." So now the players are taking it upon themselves to police themselves, and that's what I and Matt brings up a good point. Josh Anderson, if he goes in there, you know the whistle's blowing. They were kind of jostling with each other in front of the net. He starts throwing some punches and breaks his hand. We just lost two players. Or he fucks up that shoulder that he had surgery yeah. on. Yeah. We just lost two players for the price of one. That's right. Or what? For, if, what? for what? For nothing, because they're not going to lose Myers over a fight. Or so. what if a Montreal Canadian goes in the corner with one of their players? They they decide, you know what? We're going to go after a guy that's popular in your room, too. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. take this guy out. Then well, that guy's hurt. What, what if what if Anderson finished a check on Quinn Hughes and destroyed him you throw him into the net and just laugh but just you know more than just a little bump that blow that knocks him over like exactly. really goes in on him and like really finishes his check yeah and i'm, and I'm talking a clean like a clean hit but like all well, i mean just you know come in like, from the blind side take him out with yeah. a with a clean hit to the head as long as you go from you know through the body you gotta hit the chest good. first hit right. the chest first yeah. Or, so, but, or the or the upper shoulder, as yeah. long as it's not the head first. But that's this is my point. Like it just yeah. escalates things. Had they have just yeah. said, you know what, one game, we're done. This all would have been avoided. The tempers probably wouldn't flare. Like I'm fully expecting on Saturday night that we're recording the show Friday night. It's going to come out Saturday morning. So the evening of the release of this show, Saturday night, I'm expecting a lot of dumb shit to happen early. I'm not. And then even even more to happen if the game starts getting to a seven to three score again, for either side, shit's gonna go weird in a fucking hurry. Yeah. I'm so, expect- so you brought up so you brought up the fact that uh, if you would have got the one game suspension, they wouldn't see each other for a while. So their next game would have been February first, uh, home and home or uh, uh, a back to back in Montreal, first and second. Well, it would have been like a, a like a week to cool but, off. Yeah, but it would have been a cool. Off. It would have been a cool off. Yeah. And they would have said, you know what? He got suspended, so he got punished for that. We don't need to go and get retribution. Yeah. I I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the, what happens was what you said happened. But I, I don't see early on anything really happen. I think Montreal is going to want to take a, a lead in the game or at least take a uh, – I think Montreal – Julian's a smart coach. I understand what he said. I yep. get it, right? But uh, I think that was his message to the league and to everyone else saying – if you're going to make us police ourselves, it's going to be an all-out war, and you guys are going to be responsible. I think that's, yeah, because you know, coaches got to be want tiptoe around unless you're Tortorella. You got to tiptoe around what you want to say, and exactly. uh, 
uh, I, I think, I mean, you did mention, uh, mention it, but I, I think Montreal's going to see how the game goes first. If they're up two, three goals in the third period, then you might see someone like Sherratt or Ed Perry, if he's playing or someone, uh, I mean, what well, Perry's probably going to be in the game. So you never know what he's going to do when he gets out there. Cause he's, he's, he's our little asshole. Um, and uh, he's going to spear the shit out of Myers, whatever. I mean, literally. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and I mean, Myers, Myers is one of those players too. And maybe Matt might take a shot at me for this, but he's not really a fighter. He's just a dirty player. He's not, like, he's got, he, he's, he he's a, he's a big guy and he's got size. Yeah. But and he, he, and he, plays he has dirty. fought. And he he yeah. has fought. But a lot of guys aren't going to go in the corner with him and, and drop the gloves just based on the fact that he is so fucking big. Yeah, but Montreal has pretty big guys on their team that yeah. aren't afraid to go in the corner and drop the glove. I mean, Shea Weber's the same. Shea Weber doesn't fight very often. I don't care no. what anyone says. No. But he'll beat you with the body, and it's what he'll do. Yeah. Myers would you, would you want to drop the gloves of Shea Weber? I, no. I wouldn't. Right? No. So. Unless I'm Sergachev. But anyway. I did like the response on the ice when the hit happened. Uh, yeah, so I was went, going to mention that Evans and Lekkinen. Right yeah, Evans and Lekkinen almost synchronized, spun yeah, around, they went and went right uh, to him. And, and, that, right and I like that. I did like yeah. that. And uh, there was one of our followers, uh, Tough Call, uh, Tough Call Blog. Uh, he follows the show, watches the show every every week. Hey, um, his own podcast. He came out today with a show, and he based it on couple of tweets that i had thrown out after the hit and he's he called it turning a blind eye to blindside hits um that's a tough call podcast uh he he explained a little bit of his view of the hit and how it should have been punished uh clearly it wasn't and this was the fear he had if they didn't was what i what i mentioned was um the the players stepping in now to police themselves kind of like a back in the nineties when players would actually still have to police themselves. So th- that, that's kind of what I'm, my concern is about my main concern. Uh, but moving on from the hit, I think we covered the hit well enough and pissed off enough of our listeners. We could, uh, we could talk about the series itself. So two games in the Canadians are one Oh and one. Um, you know, they pulled off three points out of four. They're showing that their power play is pretty strong. They can score goals at five on five. Uh, they're dangerous offensively, shorthanded. I don't know. Are they that good at scoring goals shorthanded because they're, they're an improved team or because they have so much practice being fucking shorthanded? I think that's what probably that, I, you know, the, uh, They've got four shorthanded goals and I think five power play goals. <laughs> and they're the most penalized team in the NHL. Yeah. And this is, this isn't a team that's built for, uh, you know, you don't look at their roster and be like, Oh, a bunch of fucking goons. They are, but you know, you look at some of the, like some of the penalties are legit penalties and I'll give them yeah, that. Yes. Absolutely. It's a legit penalty. But you look at the one against, Kulak a couple nights ago. You look at the one against Suzuki last night. Or Edmondson. Like, yeah, and you're just like, come on, right? So uh, my look, my view on the series, um, I think they would, they should have, uh, they should have won both games. 
just like against Toronto, they shot themselves in the foot, taking too many penalties, except for this time, you know, there wasn't a puck that went off the chest of the official that got an assist on the tying goal, but we won't go there. That's all Bruins fault. Yeah, exactly. We won't go there, but um, you know, there was, there was some definite players that shined. Um, We saw a fucking huge two games at a Tyler Toffoli playing against his old team. Um, He's really emerged as a, uh, as a threat on this team. And um, I hope that uh, this will continue against teams that aren't the Canucks. Well, he was he his expected goals for in the first few games before playing the Canucks was really high. He was in the 70, 75 percentile. So things just weren't landing for him. He was doing all the right things, and so was Kotniemi, but they just were the puck just wasn't going in. But now in the last two games, things have unblocked. They they've gotten the goal, they've gotten some goals. Uh Kotniemi's got a couple now. It, things are starting to move a little bit. <clears throat> Armia started to play well. <clears throat> he was kind of a, an anchor on that line. He was playing like garbage the first couple of games. But the last two, he was really stepping it up until he took one on the chin. And now for the last game of the series, Perry's going to step into that role. He's gonna. It, he was doing line drills with that line today at practice. So you could fully expect Perry to be in the lineup playing on that third line. Uh, likely to be thrown in on a couple of power plays here and there, but, uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's going to bring that same kind of style that Armia did. So I'm not sure how it's going to gel with this line right now, because things are starting to really click with those three. So we'll see how it works out. Um, I don't know. I, I think know. it's just going to create more room for Toffoli and uh, and Kakaniemi yeah. because you know that uh, you know where Perry's going to go. He's going to go to the net. He's going to be looking for the the greasy goals and the rebounds and everything yeah. like that. And um, he's going to just be the net front presence. So I think it's going to give them a little bit more room. And we know that he's not you know not scared to throw a little bit of a hit or or anything play, like that. So play dirty as fuck. Yeah. If you yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm looking honestly. I, I I'm looking forward. <laughs> to seeing how the Canadians respond to their first little bit of adversity and how their depth is going to be. This is something that we brought up at the start of the show, or not the start of the show, the start of this season. Um, gone are the days that your the the guy that you're bringing in is your, your depth forward is Alex Belzil or Dale Weiss. Like this, you know, Corey Perry is a huge upgrade to that. Yeah. So and, I, look, uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do. I've always like, you know, I've always liked Corey Perry. And it's not just a, a Corey Perry. I mean, you could throw Byron in on that line. You can throw yep. Lekin in. You, you have someone that can go in on that line and contribute. You don't just have a guy that's going in that line because you got to fill a hole and fill up that line. That's, that's the difference. Julian doesn't like. He, Julian doesn't want to break up his lines right now. Nope. The, things and, are and working. He likes the lines. So army is out. Whoever comes in just takes army's place. Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm just saying that just yeah. to show, show the depth of the, yeah. the thing, but going back to what you're saying about how talented Montreal is offensively. And this, if correct me, if I'm wrong, it's been a long time since we heard this. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> for goals for, they lead the league with 24. Uh, Fake news. They have a differential of, I got to do the math here. 
plus eight or plus nine. They are second and average goals per game, 4.8. So they're averaging almost five goals a game. Fake news. Uh, they're first in shots, but last year I think they were third or fourth, so shots wasn't a problem. Yeah, they got a lot of shots, yeah. But their shooting percentage is fifth, where last year they were like 25th or something silly like that. They're down near the bottom. Uh, defensively, they're average. 15th on goals against, 8th on shots against. Their penny kills 21st. Uh, and their penalty minutes, now this is average penalty minutes per game, 11.4, which is 25th in the league. Uh, that's not total penalty minutes. That's just average average per game. Uh, and their power play has dropped to 14th because they were 1-5 last night. But uh, they've scored a power play goal in every game so far. So Fucking almost scored a shorthanded goal in every game so far too. They almost scored three uh, last night. Almost, almost, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it, I, I think they have the right forwards for the and i find they're attacking the penalty the power play in the neutral zone instead of waiting for them to get into the the blue line uh, i found last year they almost waited for the other team's power play to come into their to their zone and then like they basically oh we lost the face off because that's what happened and they all just drop back into the box and wait for everyone to come uh this year they're attacking the neutral zone and they're creating causing the other team to create passes and to move the puck where they can uh, block it and do what they got to do. Um, but uh, it doesn't help that you're averaging 11 minutes a game shorthanded. And that's going to kill you. And uh, I, I did a tweet about that last night before the for second period saying, if they keep taking penalties, they're going to end up losing the game. They're going to end up losing it, especially against Toronto. Edmonton, I, don't, I know they, they killed 10 penalties against them. That seven penalty game, all those games, I, I can't blame the rest for almost any of those penalties because they're all legit penalties. Like, I'm sorry, they weren't very soft. They were bad penalties. But they killed it. They went on. and uh, But it's going to catch up to them because Edmonton's no slouch. They might have had a bad couple games, but they're going to start scoring on the power play. Yeah, so, like, if anything, the biggest thing Montreal got to work on is their uh, penalties. Well, this division has three of the top ten power plays from last season. So you can't mess around. Yeah, their penalty kill is a little bit more aggressive, which is fine. But when you have a parade to the penalty box, and it's not just getting seven or eight penalties in a game. It's the fact that when they get them, they come in bunches. So they're, yeah. they're shorthanded for eight or nine minutes in a row. And, and they've, even, they've even given up five on threes in this time. So you can't either. That is not a recipe for success. Uh, that uh, Bo Horvat's just killing them. He just sits in that friggin' uh, in that bumper spot and just rifles them. And Lori Ten, Lori Ten brought it up. If anyone knows Lori, she does the uh, call of the wild. She does the call Lori's callback or whatever it is. They didn't learn PK either. Bo Horvat scored both his goals in the exact same spot on yeah. the exact same shot. So it's not like they're taking a penalty and going, okay, let's put the PK out. What did they do last time? Make sure they don't do it this time. They just put the PKO and the exact same thing happened on the next. So they didn't learn anything from their past penalty kills. However, as we know in the military, if you're out there and you're tired because you've been out there four or five, six times in a period, you just start going into what's called, I like to call trainerism. And you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Just going autopilot. 
autopilot Air Force. Ah, Air Force reference. And, you know, and you just <laughs> you just start doing the same thing, and hope it works. And uh, and then the yeah. the penalty kill gets torpedoed. Ha ha! Navy ah, reference. Oh, da, shit. Da, da. <laughs> you know, and then it it just goes from there. Um, but geez, Montreal got some offense on them. Speed and depth. Speed. Actually, I should say speed and strength, and they're using their depth. They have players that are leading the league in scoring, which Goals is un- unheard of, unheard of in Montreal. Uh, like it's it's basically Jeff Petrie tied with five other guys with seven points in the league. I think Tyler, he's leading leading the league among defensemen in scoring too. He is. He, well, yeah. he's tied for first with Horvat, McKinnon, Stone, and a bunch of other guys. Yeah, Toffoli and Horvat. Five goals each, lead the league. Yeah, uh, Petrie, second in the league in assists. It's just uh, Edmondson, first in the league and plus minus. Shitty stat, but still. Still, it's yeah. pretty impressive for Shea a guy Weber. that everyone said it was going to be a pile on. Shea Weber, first in the league in power play points. And then we get into goaltending and we're nowhere near any of that. But, uh, you also, know, when... Uh, oh, Brian Wild did a little bit of research on this, and he found that three of the Canadians' lines, the top three lines, mm. are also in the top ten of all the lines in the NHL for possession stats for expected goals for. Two in the top four. Two in the top four, and the third line is in the uh, the seventh. third, I think yeah, seventh. seventh or eighth. Yeah. But, I mean, come on. But you look at last night, and the third line was arguably the Canadians' best line. And that's where the depth comes in because Absolutely. one game it's it's uh, Deno's line, another game it's Suzuki's line, then it's it's Kotniemi's line. Yeah, against Toronto it was Suzuki's line. Yeah, two games against Edmonton it was Deno's line. Yeah, and the two games against Vancouver it was Kotniemi's line. Um, and you know what, Evans the Evans the fourth line scoring points too with Byron and Evans yeah. and uh, yeah. and Lekkinen. And five games in, everyone on the team's got a point. And no forwards Except played. Except for well, everyone that's played, everybody that's played, and then and and Jake Allen. Jake Allen's got two wins in both of his uh, in in both of his appearances. He tied Charlie Lindgren. He's tied Charlie Lindgren with the same amount of wins this year as Charlie Lindgren had all last year, and he only and needs two before. more wins to tie the entire backup core from last year for the last five years. Yeah, oh, yeah. something like that. It's, I mean, it's an exciting team. They're going to lose games. I'm sorry, people. It's going to happen eventually. I expect one of the Calgary games to be a loss. Um, but if they keep playing the way they're playing, they're 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 easily going to make the playoffs. Easily. I mean, should, yeah. They, no, they play like this. They'll be in the top four for sure. No team that they've played yet has outplayed them. No. In any game. No. They 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 shot themselves in the foot both times they've lost. And um, this is a team that, unlike other years, they're generating a hell of a lot of shots. They're continuing to possess the puck, and they're not giving up. They're they're keeping their foot on the gas, and it's 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 an exciting time to be a fan right now. Do you know what else they're doing? They're getting the puck out of their own zone. Yeah, they're not getting pinned into their own zone for long periods. Of time. I mean, that happens yeah, every game, it happens every all team. The time, yeah, but. I found last year with Montreal, it was happening all the time. Yeah. Like, and then they'd have to like, 
ice the puck and hope they win it. And it was just ridiculous. This year, they're getting the puck. I think it has something to do with some young guy named Romanov. Not Romanov, Romanov. but Romanov. Romanov. Who, uh, who has that, that, I mean, his first, his pass, outlet pass is just, it's, it's a rocket tape to tape. It's just amazing. I, I'm just so mind blown by how well and mature this kid's playing. He's earning himself this, a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut every time. He's got more shots than anybody on the defense as well. And I'll tell you now, when he was buying that pan pizza, he had no idea how to say pan pizza. And now he's like, <laughs> I talk just to get anyone else. I don't care. Anyway, um, great, great kid. Um, I'm glad Blade and I, you know, put that into him when we first met him and trained him like we did. And yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for meeting us and me pissing him off by trying to get a picture while he's buying pizza. If you can tell in the picture, he wasn't happy. No. <laughs> and not in the picture, you don't see is his agent in the background going, come on, let the man eat. He's going he's gonna to bulk up. <laughs> he did bulk up. He did bulk up, yes, exactly. He's he gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. But I guess he's a gym rat. I guess he's the first yeah. one in and the last one out, yeah. stay with on the ice. And, and um, might, I, might I note that he doesn't take gym selfies. Well, then how do we know he was in the gym? Cause he because he pays someone up. to take he pays someone to take gym selfies for him. I've seen them on Canadians Instagram. Thank you. When Just he was then. uploading his gym selfies. <laughs> yeah, when I was putting my gym selfies on Instagram, I'm like, oh, look at Romanov. He got someone that can take pictures for him. I don't. Someone's just taking pictures of a guy working out. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, this happens to be me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I notice other people are sending you pictures of their gym selfies they're playing. You're oh, I'm sure you're not encouraging them there. at all. And, and might I add, I'm just going to meme the shit out of them and I'm going to yeah. put embarrassing quotations on every single I already, one. I already got the best meme out there. Yeah, the Bernie meme. The Bernie meme. I think that's awesome. I saved was that. It, actually. Uh, it was Steve. Steve. Critical, yeah, Steve critical Habs. What's, what's oh, his hand? It was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. It's literally me waiting for Bergy to accept my uh, offer for the arm wrestling match. No, that's you waiting for someone to prove you wrong that uh, Mete is a top 4D. Sure, prove wrong. <laughs> so uh, before we end the show, I think we should come out with our, our, our prediction. What do we think is going to happen in this last game against Vancouver? Uh, the Canadians lost in overtime. They've won in regulation. What's going to happen in game three? Uh, Treg, what do you think? I think Canadians will win. I think uh, Price will have a bounce back game. I don't think he played very well the first game against uh, no uh, Vancouver. I he'll be he very motivated. Game. I think he'll be very motivated. Uh, I say four one. Okay. Plus Matt. Vancouver has no D guys, so yeah, they're all freaking hurt. Um, I believe I, I'm going to go for. Uh... I'm going to say, uh, I'd say Price is going to have a kind of a, a bounce back game from his last one. I think we're going to see uh, him be you know, a little bit more rejuvenated. I'm going to stick it out there. I'm going to say three, nothing. And, um, but I would expect if anyone's going to score, anyone's going to have a big game for Vancouver, it's going to be Patterson. He's uh, he's only got a point on the season and it's going to be a lot more that's uh, expected of him. And now that a guy like JT Miller's back, um, that chemistry is going to start again. But um, in terms of the game, I'm going to still say three nothing. 
and um, I expect uh, the Canadians to finish every check they can, especially against Myers. And um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Josh Anderson's going to score at least one. I'll even go that far. I think Kotkaniemi takes out Pedersen. Again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> what um, about you? Yeah. Uh, I think the Canadians are going to come off flying. They're going to be very motivated because they're angry. They are pissed off. Armia is a very popular player in that room. Uh, so I, c- I can see them coming out uh, guns blazing. They're going to, like you said, finish every check. They're going to be going they're going to be going at top speed and they're as if they got something to prove. Uh, I agree uh, with uh, what Treg said earlier in the show. They are going to find a way to get to Myers eventually, but they also want that win. So I think that's going to be part of this, uh, the underlying story for the night. Myers is going to be targeted at one point. Something's going to happen. Maybe it's Perry actually spearing the guy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I can see the Canadians coming out with a win on this one. The, the, the Canucks, they're a good team, but I don't know. They, they just seem like they were missing something the last couple of games. Like they got lucky with the power plays in the first game and they were kept in pretty close early. I can see the Canadians tightening up a little bit more because they had a practice on Friday, which is as we record today, and they did work on penalty kill. And it looked like they were working on cutting off that bumper pass. So that might not happen. Uh, I agree that Pedersen should be uh, somewhat more visible, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to step up. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm expecting. I don't think it's going to be a blowout game like the seven to three game that the the Canadians just had, but it's going to be close. And I do see a win for the Habs, just because they want vengeance. And it'd be nice to come out of this uh, road trip. You imagine they come out of this four zero and two. That'd be unreal. It'd be good to start their home series. That's for damn sure. Yeah, especially when you're going up against Calgary, who we can all agree is one of the toughest teams in this division. That's going to be their biggest test this season. I think so. So So if you get home, get your home opener in, you're already up four Oh and two. It's not a big, it doesn't hurt as bad if you lose at home. So I, I I would be, I would put money. They're going to lose one of those games against Calgary. Yeah. I just hope it's an overtime. Every, I mean, right? every, every every point matters. Yeah, every game's a four point game. Like it's not really a three point game; it's a four point game. Uh, just for the simple fact, all the points stay in the division. So, so if you can rob a point in, out of a loss, take it. Better. Take it. But the the Canadians do need to learn how the hell to play in overtime and in a shootout. I know it's gimmicky, <clears throat> but it's part of the game. Like at least this time, they didn't let a goal in on five uh, the three on three but they couldn't win that shootout. Uh, quit putting Deneau Weber out in the three-on-three. Three. Put the speedy, skilled guys out. Yeah. He did that He did that against Vancouver. In Vancouver, he put Suzuki, Anderson, and Petrie out, and they put uh, <clears throat> Cotton Yanemi, 
Foley and uh, Romanov, was it? I think so. That, yeah. So I mean, he did three. put. That's a great three. That, that's what I'm saying. Put you already got the point. Go for the put the guys, the skilled guys out there. The speedy yeah, Suzuki, Drouet, and Petrie, um, and then you got the Cottonetti sure. trio that you mentioned. And you can put something together yeah. with Byron. Uh, help Byron Dino and uh, I don't know. Hey, you can put three forwards out. Who gives a shit? Who, that, that's what I'm saying. Like nothing against Weber, but Weber's just not a three-on-three type player. It's not. There's there's way too much ground to cover. Yeah. So. So, anyway. I think we'll end it there. Uh, we covered quite a bit on the show. I think that was show is a bit longer than our normal length. It's a little bit past the hour by like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening and remember if you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No name hockey. No name hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player, Jason Goulet. When he retired, He searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro, but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember... If you are talking about it, so are we. Matt Cundall, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.